You're listening to the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast, your new home for inspiration, family, sports conversations, and a lot of other stuff. We're your all-purpose pod for an all-purpose life and your weekly mirror check before you go change the world, baby. Enjoy the show. I'm your host, Mr. You, wherever you are today. However you're listening to the Call Me Mr. You, thank you again for making this just a small part of your morning, your day, and your week with your weekly mirror check before you go change the world. Thank you again for subscribing and listening and for joining us in our discussions every single Thursday morning and some Monday morning. But thank you again for joining us. Season three is here. It's almost in the books. I'm enjoying the commentary from you guys, the funny stories, the things you're gaining and learning from the topics that we discuss on the show. Pretty exciting stuff, man. So keep that coming. We definitely enjoy hearing from you guys. Let's jump into our content for today, okay? Now, one of the most consistent discussions in my household with the family generally revolves around culture. Generally, we talk about a lot of different things at our dining room table. Never a loss for an interesting topic when we get together to eat. Uh, but one of the biggest discussions is always around the culture. What do I mean by that? Well, the younger generation in our household tries to convince the older generation, namely us, that their generation is the best. The best meaning the best ever, the smartest, the most fun, and any other complimentary thing they can come up with to let us know that they are revolutionizing this whole generational cultural thing and they're doing things we've never seen before, according to them. Uh, the older generation, namely us, however, labors to explain how there is a lack of understanding about tradition, history, self-education, ethics, politics, you name it. There's definitely something missing, at least from our standpoint. Now, when you add in the discussion about how much of what we know today is uh, repurposed culture, so to speak, is cyclical in nature, we have some really hot discussions then because most times the younger generation, at least represented in our household, feel as though everything that they're seeing, whether it be on TikTok or whether it be on YouTube or some kind of program they enjoy watching, is new, as in never been done before, never been seen before. But we know that trends and fads often get a, a new face. They get refaced, they get repurposed. But they're essentially old ideas that just came back around again, i.e. bell bottoms, i.e. afros, i.e. Yeah, whatever that is. So we have some really heated discussions about what's happening right now and how it's not the first time, but then their counter is, but it's better than before. So we just tend to go back and forth with that, but really interesting discussions about culture. Now, needless to say, these discussions get heated, but never a dull moment to say the least. I don't think the younger and the older agree on this point either, but Things are far from normal. I wish we could agree on that, but things are really far from normal. If this was normal, then I'll pass. I don't particularly care for the quote-unquote new normal. How about you guys? It wasn't more than two years ago that the whole world seemed to be going back crazy. Do you remember that? Is that still in your memory banks? 
we were on the verge of implosion. And in my humble opinion, we saw the very worst side of the human experience. We saw the underbelly and it was ugly. We saw what happens when facades fall and masks fall off, theoretically speaking, of course. It was not a pretty picture. Through the entire process, the American people were clamoring for a return to the good old days. They talked about it ad nauseum, put a microphone in front of their mouth or a keyboard in front of their hands. And that's what they were saying. That's what they were typing out. We want to go back to the good old days when things were normal, a return to normalcy. I want to get back to normal because I'm tired of this. Well, on this episode, we'll take a slight departure from what we normally discuss. We're going to touch topics that are being spotlighted in the worldview, but we're not, we're not deep diving. We're just going to touch them a little bit out of the norm for us, but I feel like it's going to be a good idea for us on this episode, in this time, in this frame of mind that we're in right now. I think it'd be helpful. Now, I normally avoid those in details. One, because I prefer to leave all the pontifications and prognostications to the experts out there. Let you guys do that. But I think I see how much these issues affect my household just like any other. And that means something that's significant, that's relevant. Four generations of my family listen to this show. They listen to this podcast. So I thought it wise to breach some of these topics that matter to them and kind of highlight, highlight how they're anything but normal. I'm sure most of them know that, but some don't. There might be some instances where they're more normal than we originally thought, but that's nothing to be proud of. So normal is what we are used to, right? The things we like, the way we like it, the feelings we're comforted by when we have them, regularity, consistency, leveled out, no surprises, everything just the way we like it, right? There's a saying in the culinary world that I grew up in as a chef. It was said in every kitchen I ever worked in, every classroom that I learned in, and any restaurant that was worth its salt that I did work for. The saying related to how we arrange our food preparation or our recipe or ingredient preparation. It was known as, in French, mise en place. It means a place for everything and everything in its place. Mise en place. A place for everything and everything in its place. That was important because we learned through our culinary journey, trying to go into sous chefs and, and sommeliers and master chefs, that ingredients are definitely important to any recipe, any dish. But if you're not prepared, you lose time, you lose efficiency, and you can potentially ruin the dish before actually gets a chance to come together to become all it's going to be. But if you have all your ingredients ready at the proper amounts, tablespoons, teaspoons, cups, liters, etc., less time being wasted on trying to find what you need, you already have what you need, you can continue to build the dish into what it eventually needs to become. One of the greatest tools I took away from my culinary career wasn't the ability to duck when stressed out head chefs threw place of food at us. That really happened in real life. It's not just a Gordon Ramsay thing, it's real. 
It was the ability to prepare and have all the tools and items you need to complete your dish in front of you. You're not starting the process and then needing to find something or realizing that you don't have what you need. You got to go to the store or go to the warehouse and you already started working already. That could be a nightmare. Luke 14 verse 28 references a similar idea. It reads, for which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. Now, I don't know any contractors or architects. At least I hope I don't. But I don't know any that will attempt to build a skyscraper without being completely sure, 100% sure, that they have all the tools and resources and building materials needed to start and finish the project. So it's not just important enough to start it, it's also important to finish it as well. Could you imagine a problem that can be created when that's not the case? Any cook worth his or her salt needs to have all the materials, ingredients, cooking tools, information to complete the recipe before they start turning on the burners in the ovens, before they start setting up their station, before they start cooking. Sounds simple and elementary, doesn't it? So why is it then that we have collectively sucked at planning and preparing. Why is that? Yeah, we want normal, but from a safe distance, normal feels like an easy, comfortable place to just be who we want to be without the pressures of change and eternal growth and maturity and all of those things that we don't want to deal with. Normal seems to be resembling a return to just doing whatever the heck we want, right? No matter what the impact is on other people, no matter how much it hurts them, no matter how much it stresses them out, no matter how it labels them and puts them in categories, no matter how much it may oppress them or how it may keep them in bondage to unreasonable and unattainable goals. For some people, that's the normal they want. The one that allows them to do the very least to provide the least possible effort. Regularity. And consistency while doing the wrong things is a death sentence in slow motion. Regularity and consistency while doing the wrong things is a death sentence in slow motion. Regularity and consistency while doing the wrong things is a death sentence in slow motion. The thing that people want that they call normal over the past couple years is essentially seeing, smelling, and living with the elephant in the room and never addressing it. Just staying away from the beast in the corner so he doesn't trample you isn't a sound strategy for life, if you know what I mean. It's cowardice, it's selfishness, or some strange cocktail of both. An old mentor never fails to remind us that we can't conquer what we refuse to confront. We can't conquer what we won't confront. You now I stand here today to tell you. If the normal we held on to so tight with a white knuckle grip for many of us is what you need to turn to and attack or at least resist it with some kind of consistency. We talked in a recent episode that understanding that we're in an eternal conflict means there's reasonably a relentless assault or pressing against us with some kind of consistency. We have to resist that conflict with the same level of consistent effort. 
We can't afford to relax. We can't afford to ignore the elephant. Just the very fact that the elephant has the ability to trample you and given closed quarters and tight spaces, those percentages are even higher that that may eventually happen at some point in time. Should make you want to address the elephant just because you know that. But in areas of our lives as a whole, generally speaking, we won't do it. We won't address that thing that has the propensity to destroy us, to topple us, to overturn, overthrow what we're trying to accomplish. That may be worthwhile because we want to address that elephant in the corner. We fail. We can't afford to ignore the elephant. We can't afford to let generations down by keeping the generational lies alive and keeping the family secrets buried. We're giving additional weapons to our adversary to use against us. And by us, I mean you, you and nobody else, but you. Almost 12 hours from us, schools with children learning math and reading are being bombed by attacking military forces. Just 12 hours away from us. Buildings with families inside of it are being leveled and they breathe their last breath under the rubble. It's not inconceivable that survivors of these atrocities long for whatever normal is for them too, right? I'd venture to guess that normal for them means peace and joy and and family dinners, talking about their day, having a walk in the park on a beautiful summer afternoon, shopping in the square, etc. Those Those aren't bad normals to long for. I can get behind a lot of that. But this is not about politics. It wasn't two years ago, and it's not about that now. It's what you hear about on the front pages and the 24-hour news cycles. But it's still really not about that either. Normal for some people is waiting for the government to provide a check. That's their normal. Normal might be going out with the girls for a drink at the local watering hole. That might be their normal. Normal might be going to a rave. Yeah, that's still happening, by the way. With a few hundred people in a building that can only accommodate a third of them. That's normal. That's the normal some folks are craving right now. To get out and do that. Can I tell you something today? By now you should see that normal is going to mean something totally different for different people in different situations. Can we agree on that part at least? There are people who feel normal is maintaining names and statues and buildings that were commemorated in blood, slavery, and in some cases, outright murder. Normal for normal's sake. Keeping things the way they were. I reference the children of Israel a lot on this show because I honestly believe it's an incredible example. They are an incredible example of how we act as a nation at times. Often to our detriment, but it's a really good picture of how we act. Please understand what this is. A nation of people that were predestined for something great fell into oppression by a stronger nation. It was not happenstance or bad luck. It was directly a result of a refusal to hallow God or his word throughout generation after generation after generation. That means the good things weren't being passed down, but the bad things were. 
on purpose to keep it short and brief. Along with that was widespread idolatry, which is essentially the making of a God by your own hands and then worshiping it as if it has more power than you who made it. Rebellion of many kinds and close ears to any kind of wisdom. That's the atmosphere that the children of Israel were in. That's their, that was their reality. That was their normal. So to speed forward, this nation was liberated from their captivity. They were moved from their physical location where they were in bondage. But their spiritual and emotional conditions were still intact and not in a good way. It's really important. They set out for what he equated to be an 11 day journey through the wilderness to a land that was promised to them. But the journey took 40 years. I'm a city boy to my heart. So the idea of wilderness produces images for me right away. Not my cup of tea, baby. This nation, this people were in said wilderness for 40 years. I need you to understand that most of y'all are not even half of that age that are listening to this show. And some of you haven't even hit 40 yet. But they've been in the wilderness as long as you've been alive or longer. That's the point. Generations were born and died and still in the wilderness. Generations of people. The important point I want you to understand about this nation specifically, beside the fact that they physically moved forward, but emotionally and spiritually and perhaps mentally, they remained where they used to be. That's important. It's almost as if they never left where they were liberated from. They were liberated, but the mindset that they had when they were not, they carried with them to the place they were liberated to. Think about that. It's messed up. That by itself is tragic. So whenever this nation experienced any manner of trouble, conflict, or any kind of discomfort, their first reaction was to complain about how bad it was where they used to be. And by where they used to be, I mean in slavery, in harsh, cruel bondage. It was better there because it was what they were used to. Yeah, they're saying it was better to be enslaved because it was normal. They knew what to expect. They knew their captors by name. They knew what they did and what they would get every day. They knew how much sleep they would have. They knew who they were in slave labor with. There was no mystery. There was no variance, except maybe perhaps a day of more work than it was yesterday. No need for faith. It was normal. Things were what they were. The same mundane approach to their day. The same thing every time. The normal. Don't change anything. Don't bring any kind of Nuances to my life don't bring no challenge and conflict. I just want the normal, the regular conveyor belt of a life that I had before. See, you don't have to look toward the future. The present is just like the past and next month. It'd be just like today and yesterday was. That was their life. That was their normal. They even ate, ate, they ate food from heaven. And stood one step closer to the land of promises. And they still longed to go back to what was normal. See, the funny thing about a mindset like this is that the journey going back into your old life is always longer. Because you don't realize how far you've come. 
and how many steps of significance you've taken to get where you are right now. You're literally closer to the promise now than you were from the place you wanted to be free to be free from. So it's troubling when someone decides that oppression and slavery is better because we're more familiar with it than a promise we haven't seen just yet. Wow. Is anybody still listening to me out there? Do I have any friends left out here still? Normal to some people signifies laws made by men with demonic or political agendas or both. Normal could also mean the absence of laws that could protect children or various people groups or teachers. We need to be really careful about clamoring for the normal. We need to be really definite about what that means. Think beyond your immediate pleasures if you can do that. Think generationally. Think with the future in mind. That person that intends to build a tower needs to think about the future. People's lives depend on it. Miami? I don't care if it's a bridge, a skyscraper, or a high rise. Thinking about the future, thinking ahead before making decisions that affect others is wisdom. Think about this. This isn't just about you. That nation we were talking about earlier, while they labored and lollygagged in the wilderness for 14,589 days, people died in that process. Whole families died during that time. Generations of people perished. Lives were lost in war and in non-war situations. This is not just about you. Not at any time, not ever. Even if you're a single person, someone cares about you and they're inspired by your life. Do you believe that today? I know some single folks that would that need to hear this today. Even if you're a single person, someone cares about you and they're inspired by your life. You might be someone's next best friend. You might be that person that will tell them the truth when everybody around them is not being honest. If you're part of a married couple, there are younger couples that are, admire what you have and desire to be like you when they get older. Older couples may be inspired by how you act with your spouse. And they may take steps to reignite the fire in their own relationships after years and decades of being together. Whatever the scenario is that applies to you, you're important, you're valuable, you have a purpose. But this whole life thing still isn't all about you. Your children were liberated from a place of bondage, but it still wasn't about them. Because if it wasn't for them, there might not be a you. People are feeling as though they're getting closer to whatever normal is going to be again. Finally, you can get back to what you missed. Freedom to do what you want, to have fun, escape this whole mess, right? What makes you different from that nation we were talking about earlier? I know this is where things may get more uncomfortable, but it needs to be said. We don't like to be compared to bad moral examples. I get that. We don't mind comparing ourselves to bad moral examples. We don't want anybody else comparing us to those. The hypocrisy is thick. It's thick, but it's real. I want to leave you with Luke 18, verse 9 to 14. I want you to, I want you to catch something in this, if you don't mind. Track with us for a little bit longer. Luke 18, verse 9 to 14. It reads, he also told his parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. 
two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee took his stand and was praying like this. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest and saying, God, turn your wrath from me, a sinner. I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other one being a Pharisee. Because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. What did you hear? What did you hear in that? I tell you this much. One man saw himself as just fine. No need for change. Change him. Change them. They're the one with the problem. I just want to get back to normal. Where I got it going on. In our haste to get back to normal, we need to think about what we're getting back to and what we're taking with us when we get there. The emphasis on returning to normal is an excuse in a lot of cases to escape the areas we need to address. Like that elephant I was telling you about earlier. Why do you think 11 days took 40 years? Could you imagine having to go to the store, which is 15 minutes away, and take you three years to get there? That'd be awful. You think God and Moses didn't know what they were doing? It was grace that allowed them to have the opportunity to work that junk out of them so they can be the nation they were destined to be. What I'm trying to tell you is, in no short order, that adversity and conflict and challenge help you to be who you're destined to be. It's not something to get in your way, to mess up your day and mess up your commute. It's not there to cause you to be stressed out and upset and angry. It's to, it's to help you sometimes to be the, the person or people you're destined to be. Normal allows us to hide what needs to be healed. Normal isn't owed to us. Going back to it could mean the end for you. Before you decide to go back to normal, before you clamor for normal again, start raising your flags for normal again, think about what normal actually means. Is it that much better? Or is the unknown you haven't gotten to yet a lot better for you? Wherever you are today, however you're listening to the podcast for the people, thank you again for making they call me Mr. You. Just a small part of your morning, your day, and your week. We are your weekly mirror check before you change the world. Thank you again for joining us. We appreciate your support. Continue to subscribe and listen to our show. Have a great day. Enjoy the music. Coach out. Thanks again for listening to the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. Please like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel for all of our full-length live episodes. And of course, if you're an audio listener, wherever you enjoy your podcast listening, you can find They Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. Go change the world. Coach out.